When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and with me as ever is Marek Larwood. Hello, Marek, how are you doing? I am in a bad mood. Oh dear. Uh, is it film related? It's work related. Okay. Okay. So it is film related. You're too, you have too much work on. I I just want to explain the backstory. I've always said to you why I'm in a bad mood is that I went for an audition for a one for a one line part. Sure. And this is not even the. I've already been in for an audition for the same thing before. Sure, for, for the same line. No, for a three-line part, okay. which I didn't get. So they thought, right. oh, how about we get Marek in again another afternoon, <laughs> waiting yeah. around yeah. for a one-line part, which I didn't get. It's really demeaning not to be A, yeah. offered the... Yeah. One line pop when they've already seen me for the three line pop. Apparently, Armando Iannucci used to just do straight offers for the smaller parts, just never audition anyone. Just like, yeah, of course they could do it. Well, that's what happened when I got um, bits and extras and stuff like that. Yeah. You, get, you just get parts. Yeah. But now you just go in. But they'd already, I've already spent enough in doing a three line part. Yeah. And do they not know how insulting that that is? So rude, so demeaning, and what's worse, to not get it. I didn't go your, and to be told by your agent, oh, it's, it's a good opportunity. <laughs> yeah, I might make a film about that. Do, do. Well, I'm sorry for your loss, wasted life. Yeah, your loss of time, wasted life in general. Or no, just this specific bit. This I don't end. want to get into the rest. We'll never, <laughs> we'll never stop talking. There's a guitar over there in the corner. We no. could do a song. We could do a. Um... Do you play the guitar? No, I hope you could play. No, it. No, I can't play the guitar. No. Oh, what? That's that's Daniel Ward's guitar. Maybe if I could play the guitar, things have been diff- would have been different. Yeah. Anyway, we're not here to moan about our lives. Who wants to hear about that? No one. That's Hill. <laughs> As is uh, reflected in our listenership statistics. Um, we, we're here to talk about films. Now, we've uh, watched some films on Netflix this week, um, uh, being the most dominant, uh, aggressive, marketed uh, streaming service, um, which we're both subscribers to. I got an email recently that the uh, subscription fee's gone up by about pound fifty a month. Have you seen that? Oh. Yeah, it's about seven forty nine or something. I'm only on it because my 
girlfriend weren't on the thing and I got an, met a Netflix PR person. Right. And got a £50 voucher for Netflix. £50? Yeah. So what do you get for £50? Well, until it runs out. Oh, I see. But it's going to go... I thought it was in £7.49 doesn't go into 50 so you'll you'll have some voucher left Yeah, over. I'll have about £3 <laughs> left. Weird. Well, no, I'll forget about it and start paying. That's, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the plan. Um, and um, Netflix has started paying people to make films directly, like Ricky Gervais has done films. Yeah. He did that one with Eric Banner, didn't he? I though? watched the first five minutes of it. How was it? I just thought I'm not it in mu- the mood. It must have gripped you if you've only watched the first five minutes. Do you know sometimes, I think specifically with Ricky Gervais, I think I'm not in the mood to see Ricky Gervais's face. Mm. Although I, I've enjoyed a lot of his telly work for all he's a bit of an obnoxious personality. Like I like The Office and Extras, but yeah, I've never enjoyed him in a film. It's, I, when I watched his stand-up thing, yeah, you think, oh, he's not really, he's not acting at all. Yeah. Anyway, I shouldn't. That's another chance of a part gone. But <laughs> Netflix, maybe this is why. Maybe it's this show. We're bad mouthing all of the. You're uh, right. Yeah, I yeah. just say some nice things. Yeah. Oh, Ryan Gosling will put me in one of his films. I should think. Uh, Channing Tatum owes us big for the number of times we've cast him in the the casting game. Because a lot of casting directors look at our casting game for inspiration for things. I'm sure they do. They must do. Mm. I mean. They cast uh, Christoph Waltz as the baddie in James Bond. We said that. Yeah. They cast Melissa McCarthy in Ghostbusters. We said that. Yeah. Didn't we? They haven't cast Louis C.K. as Winnie the Pooh yet, but it's only a matter of time. So we need to start casting ourselves in these films. <laughs> Just every casting game. Me. It's me. And then suddenly we'll get these at Hollywood parts. We'll put it out there in the ether. Just... Oh, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting thought. I'll try that. I watched uh, uh, Adam Sandler... Yeah. Famous for not really ever making any good films, apart from, I think, Happy Gilmore, which I enjoyed. Punch Drunk Love. And Punch Drunk Love, yes. And I've not rewatched it now that I'm an adult, but I used to enjoy The Wedding Singer. I've only seen bits of that. It's got good bits, I remember. It's got a good supporting cast as well. It's got Steve Buscemi's in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Billy Idol. And Little Nicky's one of your favourites as well, isn't it? I oh. think. Oh, yeah, it makes me weep so much. No, I didn't, I've not seen Little Isn't Waterboy supposed to be all right? Uh, it's a bit... Is it a bit him doing a retarded voice? Yeah. Right, OK. Um, so he's got a three-film deal, apparently, with Netflix. Right. And this, I thought I'd give one of them a go. Adam Sanders quite interesting because there's something charming about him and likeable about him. Mm-hmm. But some of the things he does are really offensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fair. I thought the do-over was a, a jaw-dropping piece of cinema. In what respect? In that it just pushes boundaries. It makes you reappraise your entire worldview. Mm, carry on. Um, it gives you uh, the horn. No, we a bit more. <laughs> um, it makes you sad to be alive. It, I was amazed that the. Uh, I sort of feel that's me being speechless. That sound summed up. Wow. <coughs> and this is the, his first film he's made on his three. I can't remember deal, the first right? or, the, or the second one. Because he's done a sort of magnificent seven parody recently. Is that Netflix? I don't know. It was the something, something. 
Yeah, that's that's some uh, decisive information for you. I'll look it up. So, I, I tell me to, about this. I book. had to write down some of the lines. Okay. Because it was so incredible. Um, so this is, the story is is Ad, um, David Spade's in it, who recognised him quite a lot of these similar sort of uh, yeah slapstick sort of crude comedy films. Yes. Sort of Rob Schneider style. Um, who's the other one who's in all of these films? Uh, Paul Blart Moorcock. Yes. Kevin James. <laughs> yeah, that style. Yeah, yeah. That style. So. Well, it's... David Spade's also in Ridiculous Six, the film I was trying to think oh, of. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's a school reunion. David Spade's life isn't going very well. He meets Adam Sandler, who's an FBI agent. They then have one of the most blatant ex. Position scenes. Yeah. Here are some lines. Okay. Where do you live? Have you still got the same piece of shit car you used to drive? So basically everything is the same. I drive the same car, I have the same job, I chase the same girl. What, hap- what the hell happened to my life? I wish I could start from scratch. Get it right this time. What do you think happens? Does he start from scratch and get it right this time? Yes. <laughs> Okay. I mean, there is a scene when they're talking to each other about what they've done for their past lives, yeah. where there are no, there's nothing other than a person telling the other person what needs to be. Okay. Oh, why did we stop hanging out? You were in the thick classes. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was with the clever kids. Are you going to be an FBI agent? What do you know? Uh, oh, what do I know? I'm a bank manager. <laughs> it was. I don't really know. I was just typing so fast. Yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing. It's equivalent of you saying, to me saying to you, oh, your name is David Reed. You're you're an actor and a writer and you live in Camden. But Without it's, it's so like tiny bit of trying to justify it but in an incredibly lazy way. Like just going, you would say that being Marit Larwood who's a writer and comedian living in London. It, it was not even disguised like that. Yeah. I think, in terms of exposition uh, in cinema, this was a full five minutes just of exposition. Okay. And they didn't really need to do that because they didn't, uh, you know, stay with the plot anyway. Um, and then there was some... I've seen product placement before. <laughs> We've all seen Spectre. But this would... There's a scene... So does the exposition scene... Then it starts another scene on a bottle of Corona, as he's daydreaming. Sure, but it's not even in the background. It's focusing on it's opening the shot. Yeah, on full focus on a bottle of Corona. Then he's in the background. I mean, that's what you're doing in joke version yeah. of product placement. And then right? it cuts to him as a bank manager, this is David Spade, at his computer. But it doesn't open on him by his computer. It opens on the words ACR on the back of his computer. And it fades out. It's... Blatant. Well, I was was gobsmacked. I was gobsmacked. That's amazing. Um, Product placement has gotten so silly, though, hasn't it? This has. And there's a Bud Light. There's a bit of saying, do you want a Bud Light? And they said, let's have a... And they've got a box of Bud Light, and that's just the main thing in there. But, it, but even uh, to go back to it, just because I, I noticed it recently, 
is the James Bond films have gotten ridiculous yeah. for it. Like it used to be that they were chock full of product placement, but at least they were sort of aspirational brands, you know, uh, Aston Martin and uh, whatever it is, you know. And um, and but now he he talks about Heineken all the time. Mm. Like it's just like, uh, can I get a beer, Heineken? Great. Just like I mean, no one would say if you're in a bar. So I said, "Honey, you go." Uh, you got anything else? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But the idea of James Bond just having no fucking taste, I think, is wonderful. Um, but even the one before that, what's it called? Uh, would you denture the Skyfall? There was a moment where it just felt like the, the film cut and they put a watch advert yeah for Omega yeah. and that's in Casino Royale it's been all of the Daniel Craig ones there's a, there's a scene in Casino Royale where he first meets Vesper Lynn and uh, she goes Rolex and he goes Omega and she goes nice <laughs> it's just like what that's not that's not what people think about Omega watches and it's not cool as well yeah yeah you just like a dick you think Rolex Casio <laughs> Nice. Um, hey, are those Clark's shoes? There's <laughs> <laughs> some fancy shoes you're wearing, Mr. Bond. I'd love it if James Bond wore Clark's yeah, shoes. It'd be great. It'd be great. Oh, yes, they're the right start brand, or whatever they're called. You're yeah. always so well tailored, Mr. <laughs> Bond. Yes, I got this at TK Maxx. It's, it'd be... I'd sort of love it if they just went down that route instead. He's always carrying bags of Asta fish fingers around. Yeah, that would be good. I've stopped watching Bond. Yeah, it's all rubbish. Um, anyway, so you, there's yeah. uh, there's uh, several scenes where uh, Corona beer opens the... <laughs> opens the scene. Do you feel that Corona beer is a, is a more in-depth character than Adam Sandler and David Spade. Yeah. I, Do you feel they had more to say? I also think that Corona's quite a nice sort of lot in my head it's a devalued Corona because <laughs> Corona was a sort of the nice summer barbecue lager you put a bit of lime in whatever. Yeah. A bit of Mexican sort yeah, of uh, feel, sunshine it beer. It really feel as though it's um, it's sullied yeah. with the taste of Adam Sandler. And just when I thought this film had no hope occasionally uh, I mean it's written as though someone has got a writing job and I was watching I, I had the football on it at one point looking at the scores of the football and I thought that's what the person did when they are writing this yeah. they clearly had something else on in the background <laughs> and they were just writing it and not reading it through yeah. and it was sent I, it really feels like the whole thing was done like that or as a writer sometimes you just need to get something out onto the page rather than let yourself dry up you know mm. so sometimes I've done it before where telling a story I actually just write entirely functionally what needs to happen as in they say to each other you know something cut, something cutting and, and, and horrible and then you know blah 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 so maybe they just got to that stage and then had to hand it in. Maybe that's well, it's, it, it's still. I mean, there's many more fascinating things to come. Uh, <coughs> just when I thought it was going to be really shit, it made me laugh. One bit made me laugh out loud. Right. And I think I laughed out loud three times, but probably because there were uh, three thousand attempts at jokes. Okay. In the whole thing. Right. <laughs> and occasionally, I think Adam Sandler and David Spade. They're both, oh, they're good, you know. Yeah. I don't think they're bad. No, they're not at I all. Think the, I think they're good actors. It's just the writing was bad. 
But then there was some really horrible bits where, this is spoilers, but you're not going to watch it, where Davis Bay walks in on Adam Sandler and he's having sex with a blow-up doll. Right. And the blow-up doll's stuck to him as if he's got a, a, you know, a bonus still when sure. he's still inside it. It was really horrible. Mm. And they find out that this woman um, who, for some reason, some uh, basically, uh, here's some spoilers, but, you know, please don't watch it. They go... What they do is they Adam Sandler and David Spade, uh, Adam Sandler's FBI agent, he decides to fake their own deaths, and he somehow found two bodies where he's given them fake parts when they take take on these two people's identity. Right. But it turns out these two people um, are millionaires who live in Puerto Rico. Right. But that that it turns out that people are trying to kill them for something they know. Right. So that's all you know. So they, ha- they suddenly go to Puerto Rico and they're living in this lovely, sort of uh, amazing mansion. Uh, and then they go... One of them is supposed to be uh, the husband of the, this woman who... I can't even... I, I mean, there's barely any plot. The beautiful widower. Right. And at one point, Adam Sandler says to David Spader, I, this is what he says, quote for quote, are you going to make a move on that? talking about the woman David Spade says jeez her husband just died and Adam Sandler says then she needs a nice dick to cry on I mean it's just I mean it's not it's trying to it's absolutely it's like a play on the word um, pillow isn't it (laughs) dick it it, sounds a bit like pillow (laughs) it's so offensively sexist yeah it isn't all the women are sex objects yeah yeah and uh, either really uh, pretty and all with a cleavage out. It is one of the most misogynistic films I've ever seen. Right. Incredibly, incredibly offensive at times. And you sort of don't believe that they're saying it because Adam Sandler and David Spade, you sort of feel you've got an element of trust in them. So yeah. it's quite shocking seeing these things come out of their Who mouth. Who wrote it? Uh, someone called someone, someone Papas wrote it. Um, what, the uh, skateboarder? Not the skateboarder, <laughs> it's the same name. Uh, let me look it up I've got here who wrote it uh, I mean it's got 5.8 on RMDB and 22 on Metascore Chris I've, Pat- I've looked don't look it up I've averaged just now Adam Sandler's last three films ok guess the average of his last three films on Metascore Metacritic yeah a, a 20 22.3 wow because he did Pixels, The Ridiculous Six, and uh, The Do-Over. It's written by Chris Pappas. Chris Pappas. And Kevin Barnett. And they, who, Kevin Barnett wrote Hall Pass, which is supposed to be awful. And this is uh, Chris Pappas' first film. Okay. Uh, and Kevin Barnett wrote, what's Hall Pass? It's another sort of... Uh, oh, Owen awful. Wilson thing. It's It's awful. Um, and what's really weird about this film so I've gone all over the place is the discovery that uh, what the two millionaires the, the, the people they've replaced that whose entity they've stolen aren't bad guys they're good guys and the people are trying to kill them guess guess why they're trying to kill them it's in the slapstick weird comedy guess what the story is why the bad guys are trying to kill them the good guys uh, yeah who they the good... think they're sex traffickers no because they discovered a cure for cancer. Right. And all the bad guys, the pharmaceutical people who don't want cancer to be cured because they're making lots of money out of the drugs. Sure. I mean, that's hilarious. It's such an odd 
an ill-informed choice mm. to put a, to make a cure for cancer in a film part, this stupid part of a, a slapstick crude comedy film where you've got a grandmother with fake uh, real tits mm. at, with her tits that in yeah, yeah. and somehow they've crowbarred a cure for cancer in it it's so poorly done so what you're saying is the people who wrote this or are responsible for it because it, it may not be the writers their script could have been gold and then by the time it makes it to the screen not a single word survives that's always possible yeah we can't just blame the writers the creators everyone involved in this film you're saying has not a not a drop of soul left basically you, because when you when you just sort of cram in anything with sort of meaninglessly you it's because you don't have any taste isn't it you yeah. just you just like oh there's some stuff was put in I but, don't care. But it just does feel, uh, I'm numb to life. I can put cancer and and demean women and and dick jokes and. Blah. It feels like a story. It's, it's, it's a film for 14 year old boys, or even I'd say that's too old. Right. 12 year old boys, uh, written. It feels like it's written by 10 year old kids. Incredible. But there are a couple of moments where I laugh. Yeah. Well, because it's got two very good comedians yeah. in it. But Adam Sandler's hit rate is phenomenally poor for films. It's almost like he actually just doesn't care. Like, he just, they're, they're for money. I don't know. Because he he clearly knows what's funny. But you, have you turned... I mean, in what's the one where he plays basically himself, a comedian, and Seth Rogen's in it? Um, funny People. Oh, yeah, I think I... I He's think good in that as well. Like... I don't know why they're doing it, because they're both men... In their late forties, yeah, it feels like a, a film where they should be. Even if they if they're twenty two, twenty year olds, it would get away with it. But yeah. they've got no excuse to do this. Yeah, it seems sad. It, it, very odd. I'm, but there are a couple of moments of merit in it. I'm fascinated to hear what uh, our listeners, our millions of listeners, think of it. So you're you're making our listeners go and watch it. I give it two Mareks. Okay, what's it got those two Mareks for? For the one joke that I laughed out loud. Uh, okay, it's a two two star joke. Yep. Wow. So, oh, this is the second of four films Adam Sandler has on a deal with Netflix after the Ridiculous Six being his first one. Oh well, the second, the second, the second album syndrome is yeah. always a difficult. Even film. though the first album got eighteen on Metacritic. So, wow. Yeah. That's lower than pixels. It's jaw dropping. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm surprised at Netflix. Really, it just says who's watching it. Maybe it says maybe Netflix audience are fourteen year old kids. That's an interesting piece of trivia. I'm just looking through IMDb. Mm. In the film Funny People, Adam Sandler plays a comedian slash actor whose character starred in a movie called Do Over that was famously shit. Wow. That's weird, isn't it? I would love to... This incredible meta joke that he's in a shit film on purpose. Well, that's what I would love. I was watching it thinking, I would love it if this is actually... A me- if yeah. if Adam Sandler and David Spade, they made this and they're making another film called The Do-Over about The Do-Over. Yeah. So they're doing they they they're doing this again. So there's commentary. Or they're trying to they bring make- down Netflix from the inside because they see it as a force of evil. But that would be amazing if they did it, made a film so bad and caught the do-over and did it again. Yeah. That would be a great piece of 
Just keep remaking the same keep shit. Remaking well. it, but in a completely different genre. It'd be good. I'd watch that. Yeah, Adam Sandler and David Spade do over the do over. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a do over. I think it's time for this. Someone's written it. Here is what they said. I'm gonna read it out. This is what I read. Someone's written it. Here is what they said. I'm gonna read it out. This is what I read. Someone's written it. Here is what they said. I'm gonna read it out. This is what I read. Here's an email from Rob Marland, and he says, Hi, chaps. In last week's show, David claimed that a cinema full of dogs is better behaved than your average multiplex audience. I am not surprised. I have never understood the appeal of seeing films with loads of other humans. Most audiences are horrible, phone-checking, nacho-chomping pricks. This is why I would like to alert you to the ongoing Studio Ghibli Forever screenings at a picturehouse cinema near you. I have gone to a few of these screenings in Liverpool and Cambridge, and the audiences are always great. The best thing is, many audience members have clearly not seen the films before because there were genuine gasps of surprise when the cat bus arrived in my neighbour Totoro and waves of laughter at the gags in Kiki's delivery service. Extremely heartwarming. Also, for any other Ghibli fans out there who are excited about when Marnie was there, the studio's final film, which is being released this Friday, please lower your expectations. It's boring as milk. Four Robs. All the best, Rob Marlin. Well, I, I, I like milk. You, I, I like milk as well. I, I don't know if I find it interesting, but um, but tasty. Um, I've, I'm don't know much about Studio Ghibli. I've seen the advertised the picture house, but yeah. I haven't gone along to any. Other. I should watch some more because I'm, I'm before I pass judgment on them. You're not a fan, are you? Uh, uh not of all the yeah, it's all the Japanese ones. Yeah, aren't they? yeah. Nah. Howl's Moving Castle. Yeah, don't like it. Uh, well thank you for that Rob Uh, who else has written in Marek Short Film Sunday you can check out the uh, Short Film Sunday website uh, where they post uh, uh, a short film every Sunday it's very good Uh, here we go I hope you're both well I put a post on Facebook about Call Me Lucky Bobcat Goldthwait's latest bit of directing it's on Netflix here in the US so I had a chance to watch yesterday I don't want to say too much to spoil it, but, but but seek it out. Without giving away actual plot clues, it's extremely well made, smart focused, well thought out, and touching and funny as well. It's about comic Barry Cribbins, but that so oversimplifies. Just watch it. I'm really impressed with Bobcat transferring over to the documentary. Um, I watched Foxcatcher, the Foxcatcher one also. Um, thanks again, and keep watching the films. So we should check that out. The, um, Bob- yeah, yeah, I mean, Bobcat Goldthwaite, if you don't know, is Zed from the Police Academy films, um, who has become a film director and writer and is very good. Uh, Lizzie Roper, who I recently went to the dog screening with at the Picture House, uh, brought us in uh, World's Greatest Dad years ago now, mm. which is one of his and is excellent and... He's also done others, which are fantastic. I'm trying to remember now. What was it called? Uh, uh, Sleeping Dogs, is that was it called? I'm, ah, this is back in the mists of time for me. Um, 
That noise in the background is Buddy drinking his water very... Very loudly, yes. Very loudly. Uh, God Bless America was another one, which is great. Um, but yes, that, yeah, I'll let, check that out. Sounds interesting. Any more emails? Yes, I think so. It's me, Mario. Uh, I'm going to read uh, this one from Ewan McInnes. Oh, hello. Hello. He says, I really enjoyed your chat with Justin Edwards about the realities of life on set. That was, uh, Justin came in to talk about love and friendship a few weeks back. I hope I speak for more Film Fandango fans when I ask for more. I can only offer one tidbit. When I was an extra on Harry Potter, the three main actors used their minders to push in front of the lunch queue when they ordered their chicken and chips. It'd be nice if you could share more of your experiences. I've donated a couple of times, but the next might have to be less due to financial circumstances. <laughs> oh, it's pretty. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I shan't ask for a voice. Just a request that we all keep watching the films. P.S. Watched all this mayhem. Great recommendation, Ewan. Thank you, Ewan. Um, yes, no, it is fun. We'll, we will try and get employed on more films so we can have our own anecdotes to tell. We're trying, I promise you. That is true, though, when you're doing... When I was a bit more successful in in things, yeah. you just get pushed to the front of the queue to get your food. So why did we are clan, we just go... That, that, that because we only had an hour for lunch we were yeah. working they just went to go straight to the front in front of all the crew and everyone well, but normally the extras have to wait until the very it, end they do they do for whatever's left but um, yeah when you're pressed for time often a runner will get your lunch ahead of time and just give it to you in your trailer or whatever yeah they do that mm. it is, and it I'm is surprised really that didn't happen on Harry Potter I'm yeah. surprised they had to queue up with everyone else in fact they but, normally just get it delivered and also I don't really because when you're filming things, and they were it a lot, mm. they must have been up at five every day, and yeah, you're finishing yeah. it. it. You don't leave. You film. You're filming from seven till seven, some a lot of the time, and it's a it's absolutely exhausting. Yeah, and they don't really want to risk you getting, you know, goat curry on your Gryffindor tie or anything. Yeah. So you know, you, <laughs> you're treated a bit like a really valuable prop when. <laughs> yeah. Which is sort of fair enough, because they've spent hours on getting you looking like that, and they yeah. don't want to keep it that way. But no, we, we'll try and get more guests on who have actually been in films. How about that as a bit of a sort of half promise? Oh, be lucky. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've still got a few friends I've never tapped up to be on this, but um, we'll see. We'll see. There's one from Christopher Dodd. What's he want? Hi, guys. Why don't you turn the show into a TV show you can put on YouTube? As a listener, I think we miss a lot by just hearing your voices. Your facial expressions will make the whole show a better experience. Dressing up, props, etc. Yeah, we understand. Will make the show unmissable. And who knows, a producer may see it and you could be on BBC Three in no time at all. Keep watching the films, Chris. That is a very nice sentiment, Chris. It but, is. I mean, if you knew how difficult it is to even get... I can't even get a one-line part... <laughs> There's yeah. no way any BBC... If I wrote the funniest script in the entire world and had it to a BBC Three producer, they probably wouldn't read it. Yeah, that's true. If we, we could spend a lot of time and effort and, let's be honest, money filming this and putting it on YouTube, and the best outcome would be after a laborious and tedious four-year development process, it would finally get 
a pilot on BBC Three, and they'd recast me and Marek with famous people. That yeah, is the it, best we could hope for. It would for. be two 20-year-old people who've been to see about three films. That's right. And they would probably be a bit more articulate than me. So yeah, that's... yeah, they'd probably have uh, you know greater voices and say, erm, less. But, you know, good on them. But I don't really want to hand that to them, really. Also, I've been listening to quite a few podcasts lately, not... And I think I quite like not having to look at things. Mm. And it has been while I've been uh, painting and decorating. Sure. But it's quite nice to listen to, uh, not to have all of your... If you're going on a walk, not to have to sit in front of the screen. I mean, if you want to go on YouTube, I have got my own YouTube channel where I regularly make unpopular films... So you can get your fill of me there. Yeah. Marek makes some of the most unpopular films on YouTube. <laughs> He's really good at it. Really good. I am prolific at wasting my time. In fact, only today, I was supposed to arrive an hour earlier. I, I challenged myself to try and make a short film, which is called Eight Things to Do, or Things to Do on a Rainy Day, in five hours. It took me pretty much six hours <laughs> And so I therefore wasted one of those hours. It was a waste of David Reed's life. That's all right. That's all right. I mean, I really should be upstairs right now writing a, a, a comedy thing I'm being paid to write. But instead I'm here. So that's all. Buddy's not happy about Is that because of me? I think it might be. He might want you to leave. <laughs> no, Listen, buddy. Next time I'll be around on time. Or at least within a quarter of an hour for the time <laughs> I've said. That seems to have satisfied him. Um, now you watched a film on Netflix, the one that I, I think I was going to watch and should, and should have watched. Um, yes, I watched a documentary film because Netflix is good for those. Yes, um, by and large, they see. I'm very pleased they keep putting new ones on, which means people are watching them because they they've got their stats down, haven't they? But I watched one called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake. Which, uh, or sometimes it's called The Resurrection of Jake the Snake Roberts, um, which is about the previously WWF, now WWE, wrestler, um, Jake the Snake Roberts, who, if you're a fan of it in the 90s, when I was, or the late 80s, was massive. He was one of the big ones, right? I mean, were you into it when you were a kid? Uh, I wasn't. I. Because I didn't have it was on Sky, wasn't it? It was. I didn't have Sky. My mate Andrew had Sky, so I saw it once or twice. But I knew it through the collecting cards. Like I didn't watch the show, but I knew about it from the little the facts on the backs of the collecting cards and all the photos and stuff. So when when I was must have been thirteen, fourteen. So I'm about six years old when you. So everyone, all everyone else in my class seemed to have Sky. And every day they would talk about, you know, Brett, Hit, Hit, Brett Man, the Hitman Man Hart, Hart yeah. uh, uh, Ted DiBiase, and all the that. Million Dollar Man. He's in that. He's in this. Yeah, they would just, he looks like he looks like um, a post-surgery uh, Noel Edmonds these days. But they would just talk about wrestling relentlessly and do the voices, and I've never felt more ostracised in my life. <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, um, this is basically about um, Jake the Snake Roberts. Uh, famously sort of uh, had a meltdown and, and fell into alcoholism basically and, and screwed his life up enormously and this is about his, a guy who considers Jake the Stake his mentor um, who was another wrestler who just sort of was never that popular but worked bloody hard at it and actually ended up being you know quite a popular one as well by mm-hmm. the end 
him deciding to make it his mission to uh, get Jake back on his feet. And and how do they get? How do they film it then? Did, oh, he the, he's also got a uh, a guy who uh, who is the doc- documentary maker, and he follows them around the whole time. And so it starts when sorry to interrupt you, but yeah. it starts when Jake Snake Roberts is still st- st- um, struggling with alcoholism. Then yeah, absolutely. And it's if you've seen the film The Wrestler. Yes, it's a lot like the film The Wrestler in the and so I wonder if this is actually a trope for guys who are wrestlers in their youth, who their bodies become so beaten and broken from the abuse they give them that they end up taking painkillers or drinking alcohol to numb the pain when they hit their forties, well fifties, you know, fifties and sixties, and well, I said about before I sort of with American football I follow, yeah, lots of people. I mean, San Diego Chargers defensive line, offensive line, I mentioned before, famous for the suicides and yeah, all the yeah. concussion-related stuff. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's it's the story of Jake the Snake. It is, but they also approach Razor Ramon, who I don't know if you remember, but he looked like a sort of. He was always a villain. He was a bad guy. He was sort of uh, this greaser, Italian greaser, who always had a uh, matchstick in his mouth, <laughs> and he's still got this. His his hair's all balding. It's the same hairstyle, but it's all balding, um, and he's enormously obese, but still has the matchstick <laughs> in his mouth. And and they try to bring him back because his life's gone off the rails as well. It's. It's a very touching and surreal look into that world and specifically to into alcoholism mm. and what addiction is to the person suffering from it and all of this. And it is good. It's not quite the story you hope for. They have to sort of overemphasize some beats to make it seem like alcoholism has a triumph. To, do you know what I mean? Like it, it does have a it does have a story, but there's a bit of it is a bit propagandary because the guy who's getting Jake back on his feet runs this sort of centre called DDP Yoga, where he gets people in shape and back in their lives through doing his yoga things and him and anyone who works for him wears big logoed DDP yoga t-shirts all the way through and it's basically about how his program helps people so it's a bit like a 90 minute advert for his thing but if you overlook that as being just sort of inherently American (laughs) in terms of just like hey it's deeply commercial what's wrong with that Um, it's actually sort of fascinating especially when these figures are all familiar from my youth and you yeah. see them now and you go, fucking hell, look at these guys, you know? And it's such a weird world because they all loved it, absolutely loved their life and their lifestyle, even though it's sort of bodybuilder theatre. Yeah. They, and yet they were putting them, their bodies in enormous danger, you know? It's... No, it's it's worth a watch. It's a fascinating little insight. Have they got lots of old footage then in it? Yeah, yeah, okay. they do have you know the footage of Jake the Snake getting his uh, his uh, massive constrictor snakes out of a bag and dropping them on a wrestler's face and all of this stuff. Um, it, it worth watching then. Yeah, and you get to see where his own personal demons come from and his pain, and you get a real insight. You do. There's moments where you go. 
their entire lives have been faking what they're doing. Because I, I've been around real wrestlers a tiny amount from the ones who did the wrestling at the Edinburgh Festival, where they they was a they did a sort of WWE wrestling match. They've done it a few times now with comed- half comedians and half actual sort of touring professional wrestlers. And they don't talk about it being fake. So even amongst themselves, they talk about it like it's a sport. Like, of course, they all know because they all know the cues and the blah, blah, blah and how to do it all. But they talk about it like it's real. So there is part for you where you go, is this story real? <laughs> or is this just more sort of theatre? But yeah. I, think it, I think it all is. It's, it, 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 it's a way where these guys have a manner which I think is also partially being American, where it all seems so self-mythologising and, and, and fictitious that you, you don't really know if, you, if this is actual genuine insight or whether just another layer of bullshit. But it's fascinating as a sort of window into this very odd world. Sort of quite Louis Theroux-esque. It How many David should you give it? I think I'd give it... I think I'd give it six or seven. It's it feels very much like a TV movie, not like a, a movie movie. Not like all this mayhem then. No, no, all this mayhem has some genuinely surprise turns and it's, stuff. It's like, great, yeah, I get really that. Stay good. with me. That uh, yeah, really yeah. Uh, but this is just seeing what happened to those people you you sort of wanted to be and pretended to be when you were a kid, and to see them now sort of. You feel sort of grateful to the fact they did this to themselves just to have that world exist, you know, and it's, no, it, it's touching, it's moving, it is good, it is good. I think it's interesting what you said earlier about Netflix being a really great home for documentaries. Mm. Because documentaries haven't a hope in hell of getting a cinema release unless they're about a specific topic that, you know, a successful cinema release, I mean, you know, general release unless it's a topic that's sort of already explosively popular or whatever. But they are some of the most moving stories being told in the medium of film at the moment. I think because you're shooting so much footage and you're editing it, it's not necessarily cinematic. Yes. So you don't you can watch it. Well also yeah. you can't it's not being created by a writer who's been brought up on previous films and actors who've been brought up on previous actors' performances. It's just its just people being that weird, real self they are when, when we're all out and about. Mm. So you get... you It's, it's cliché-less, really, uh, which I suppose is very refreshing when we have so much entertainment culture to consume these days. You I know? think as you get older, I, I just find myself more and more drawn to documentaries yeah. just because of the honesty in them yeah they have their own conventions of course and storytelling yeah. tricks that you go oh okay you're you're playing me now a bit but no I, I'm, I'm certainly enjoying them a lot so I'd track this one down if you uh, if you fancy it's worth a look The Resurrection of Jake the Snake well well done for that Netflix but not well done for the do-over yeah one out of two one out of two um, well, that's it for this week. If you'd like to get in touch um, and tell us about anything, a film you've seen maybe, or an old favourite we've never talked about, then go to our webpage, filmfandango.com, and fill in the form there and we'll get a message. And David recently put up his amazing artwork, which is 
all of the posters from the, the casting game. Yeah, you can see the previous casting games. Yeah, um, yeah, it's a uh, a lot of them I've faked photos or posters for. It's quite fun. Uh, so yes, if you'd like to look at those, go to filmfandango.com as well. And we also do all this for free. So if you'd like to donate towards keeping Film Fandango alive, thing as well, go to filmfandango.com and follow the links. And everyone who has, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. We'll be back next week. Keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.